You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Hope you're well. The interview subject coming up for you, if you can't tell by the podcast description, and of course you can, but I'm going to say it anyway, it's Bjorn Strid, a.k.a. Speed, from the band's Soil Work, and the one that is the reason for the conversation right now, the Night Flight Orchestra. Now, the Night Flight Orchestra have a brand new album out. It will be uh, released on the 5th of March via Nuclear Blast. And what's it called? I have it prepared. It's called Aeromantic. There you go. We talk about that through the conversation. But you know me, if you've been listening to this podcast series for long enough, we don't just talk about that. We talk about a bunch of other stuff. Speed's a good bloke. He's a very creative soul. And he's a great interview subject. So here he is. Speed Street from the Night Flight Orchestra. Hello, it's Bjorn. Here he is. How are you, mate? Hello. How are you, mate? Hey, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm good. Well, this is our third or fourth chat, I think, at this point in time, which uh, really yeah. sort of hints at your boundless creativity. <laughs> yeah. You know? I'm all over the place, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's one way of putting it, but... Um, yeah. I mean, really, I mean, I'll kick things off now for you because I know you've got the... Uh, have you, actually, have you got somebody after me calling through in 15 minutes' time? No, there's nobody nobody after you, but we're going to do our last rehearsal before the tour starts uh, tomorrow in, in London. So Sweet. I have a pretty packed schedule anyway, So, but well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I get to talk to you for a bit. So Awesome, mate. All right, no worries. Well, I, well I've kind of already asked the first question. I mean, that's the first thing that I think I said to John when he uh, mentioned that there was another opportunity to chat to you, which is lovely, by the way. But where on earth do you get the time to do everything that you do? Because between touring and crafting music, how do you do it all? Well, um, that's a good question. I mean, last year was pretty insane because we did everything at the same time, both with Soil Work and Nightflight. We did even three festivals, mm. uh, same day, both bands, just one oh hour in between, God. which yeah. was absolutely insane. Uh yeah, talk about Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, it's it's just <laughs> crazy. But I mean, what we're gonna do now is to divide the the album cycles and touring cycles a little bit, and then I think we're we're gonna be able to pull it off. And then again, it's so much fun, you know. So it's just the you know the logistics and, and traveling that can be extremely tiring. But as far as creating music and, mm. and you know playing it live, it's 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 all good, you know. It's just about getting there. So um, this summer, I mean this. This year is pretty much going to be about the Night Flight Orchestra, and Sweet. we'll just have a few shows with soul work here and there, and uh, le- releasing three singles, and that's about it. So, yeah. Um, but as far as I mean, as far as creating the music, and, and I mean, we never really stop. We we always have recording sessions, you know, for a for a weekend or you know five days or ten days uh, every now and then. So mm-hmm. we never really stop writing. We never really stop recording. And so we never really feel sort of, you know, when it's time to approach a new album, we just go for it. And it's really yeah. like a labor of love, it, you know, if you will. So it's um, but it isn't insane on paper. I mean, it's like it's like, what, what the hell is Bjorn doing? What, <laughs> what is this? And then, of course, David, too, because he's in both bands. And, sure. Yeah. And he writes even more stuff, you know, for for the Night Flight Orchestra. We we write pretty much fifty fifty for soil work, but Night Flight yeah. he does like maybe seventy percent, and he's also oh, a shit. doctor okay. and a father of two. So yeah. I mean, it's um, pretty insane. But it 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 
Yeah, so far so good, I would say. <laughs> well, yeah. you, you mentioned Jekyll and Hyde in there, and, and i got to say, having known you work so well from soil work, and I know we talked about mm. this a couple of years ago when you first got Night Flight Orchestra up off the ground, but I actually mm. feel like as if Night Flight Orchestra is becoming the thing. I could be wrong, but, you know, it feels like you're morphing into that in your, like, we're all over 40, so let's face it, we're not getting any younger. But I feel like mm. this is a bit of an easier direction for you to go in because the music is frankly more listenable and it probably appeals to a broader audience so do you feel the same way yes and no i mean in, in, sometimes maybe it feels like it's easier to to relate to night flight orchestra at times but it, it's also maybe something i could actually grow old with i was gonna <laughs> say oh, that sounds extremely boring but um, i get it but though. then again you know i'm, I'm 41 now and and mm-hmm. And I just love having both bands, you know, because it, it, I, I get to do everything. You know, I feel very balanced musically and mm-hmm. and, and soul work has gradually become darker, I would say, more intense and melancholic mm-hmm. ever since we started the Night Fighter Orchestra. And I think that's how I want soul work to be, you know, because before, you know, we were experimenting a lot, you know, and, and yeah. I think we found something really new with the double album, The Living Infinite, and then, sure. you know, The Ride Majestic came, and then Vaklihet, and so it's, it, that's exactly what I want to do with soil work, and now I have the Night Flight Orchestra as well, because I couldn't channel all my influences into one band before, so it's, it's just making sense, you know, and, and it would be really sad if I had to, to start focus on, on one band, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm going to try my very best and do both because I love both bands and they mean so much to me and, and they represent me in a very good way, you know, mm. that, how I am as a person. So There you go. Yeah, there's a lot of yourself in there. And, I mean, you, look, you are five albums into your career with Night Float Orchestra, so Sometimes the World Ain't Enough, Skyline Whispers, Internal Affairs, Amber Galactic, mm. which, I, which I love, by the way, Amber Galactic, because mm. it's a great album. And the new one, Aeromagic, here it is. And I haven't lived with it for that long, but I know it's mm. a great album because you do craft yeah. great songs. But you, you've almost answered my question here with your statement previously. But yeah. I imagine that there's far more than meets the eye with Night Flight Orchestra and indeed Aeromantic than what we're listening to. So what else do, do fans need to know who are just taking the music at face value? Uh, well, I mean, this, this album, I mean, it, it's definitely going to take you on a journey, you know, listening through it. And, and even though we have all these sort of gimmicks and stuff, you know, maybe people see it as like, are you guys like serious about this? Like, yes, we are 100%, you know, but mm. we love to have like a full concept, you know, and we love sort of capturing the golden era of flying, you know, with everything that goes with it. There you and, go. and yeah. yeah, so that's, it's it's sort of travel, travel romance, you know, whether it being on a train and a car or being in the air or being in space even. I mean, that that's what the, 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 the very foundation of this band to create a soundtrack of being in motion, you know, and I think our music is extremely cinematic, I would say, you know, I sometimes call our, you know, sound sort of cinematic rock, if I want to be really pretentious, you know, <laughs> but I think it really fits because it, it creates so many pictures in your mind. And I think a lot of people feel that as well when they listen to us, you know, and, mm. and maybe some of the lyrical topics might be sort of cliche when you see them at first. But if you really dig deep, it's some really amazing stuff. And some of it is based on personal experiences as well, you know. And mm. 
So it's, there's a lot to discover. It's very detailed music. You can listen to it over and over and over again, still find new things, you know, and that's... Yeah, I agree. That's what we like. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying there, and I was going to ask you this question a bit later, but I'm a, I am might be a, a fan of heavy metal. I'm a fan of all sorts of music, but one of the genres that I'm really getting into and have been getting into for the last decade or so is synth wave. Now, I, right. hope, you, I hope you've heard of that because a lot of your music yes. sounds like rock meets rock and metal meets synth wave. So, I mean, yeah. you, you're a composer at the end of the day. You're not just a musician, you're a composer, but have you thought about leaning into some of the purely synth stuff? Um. Not necessarily. Um, I mean, it's 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 become extremely hip, you know, with, yeah. with synth wave, and you yeah. hear a lot of it, and some of it is really good too. And oh, Kavinsky and, and the French um, stuff is awesome. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and I felt that we had we had that even before you know that became sort of a um, sort of a trend. But then again, it, it's like we of course we get inspired by good things we hear, you know. But I think we we found uh, our own way of sort of capturing sort of that 80s dreamy feel you know and i think we mix it up in a really interesting way you know for example on this album we have transmissions you know which is very sort of dreamy and and, and sort of melancholic sure. but it has that sort of driving in a car like through a big city and it's raining and you know the, the whole yeah, thing the blade runner thing yeah. yeah yeah exactly that's what it gives you so i think it's uh we're sort of expressing pretty much the same thing but in a, in a different take i guess in a different way but of course it's it's very inspiring to do uh stuff that doesn't have any guitars at all sometimes you know and yeah, that's what we've gone for maybe a little bit on this album as well you know and, and it's interesting to experiment with just the keyboards and vocals and really like naked sort of stuff you know and strip down so i think this album is more balanced in that sense as well you know hmm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, yeah. I can certainly hear that coming through. And and look, at this next question, I I would wouldn't hesitate to state for a fact you've been asked this question by just about every Australian journalist. And I think you know yeah. where I'm headed. But the second yes. cut is called Divinals. And look, I'm a covers yeah. musician, so I've played plenty of Divinals stuff. But is is there a link to the to the Australian band Divinals with that cut, or is there, it just? Yeah, there is a link, uh, and. Um... Basically, what what happened was, I mean, watching uh, Divinals uh, Us Festival performance 1983 in America is one of our favorite things to do before going on stage, because mm, okay. it's such a brilliant performance. Wow, and okay. and that's the I, I that was the way I actually discovered Divinals. Maybe I don't know, eight years ago or something. And mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard the the big single, you know, I touched myself before, which was even big in Sweden. So, but yeah. I, I somehow didn't discover the other stuff and then we we watched us festival and got really like oh my god this is amazing especially uh, the boys in town is just a stunning yes. performance yeah so we i don't know we got influenced that was one of those bands that sort of even like this is this is what we want to capture with this band as well that sort of vibe the stomp and and i don't know um it was very inspiring and um i was actually at my parents you know i don't know when it was i wrote the song but maybe in september and mm -hmm. i've been listening to divinals and i was like wow i felt really inspired to write something and then i wrote divinals i came up with this melody uh and wrote the whole thing in two hours and you know when it was done it's like well this doesn't sound much like divinals at all but you know what the hell i'm, I'm just gonna <laughs> 
you know, that's going to be the working name for it, at least, you know, because <laughs> that's what inspired me in the first place. So it doesn't matter. And then when we came to, uh, you know, the album was mixed and we were going to mastering. It's like, and I was asking David, so I don't know, I can't come up with a different name for this for this song, you know, and it's like, and he said, like, no, 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 you, you should just call it Divinals. You know, that's a great band. It's a great tribute, you know, even though it doesn't really sound like them. But, you know, that's what inspired you in the first place. So Killer. yeah, that's what we did. So well, as an Aussie, is. as an Aussie, thanks for acknowledging the band, because I, I feel the same way you do about them, having played this stuff so often and <laughs> seeing the audience reaction whenever they play. But of course, in a lot of Europe and the United States, they're not that familiar. They're only familiar with I Touch Myself, the big hit. But their yeah. back catalogue is just it's Oz Rock. I mean, I couldn't show anybody a better example of Oz Rock than that no, than that band. Fantastic. It's it. And there was there was heaps of bands that had that sound, but never the vibe, never the yeah. vibe that Chrissy Anflet bought and uh, John McKenty, the guitarist, how what he had. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Yeah, I don't, I don't know whether you know, but John McKenty tried to get a version of the vinyls up off the ground last year, or maybe the year before. And really. Yeah, it fell, it fell over because the singer he had, I can't remember her name now, but she was an American chick, and she certainly had it, but he said, due to unforeseen circumstances, this won't go ahead. But all I can imagine was that the young lady, the American chick that he, he recruited to play, perform Chrissy's parts, saw mm. the response online, how devoted and how uh, as much a part of the Australian music scene Chrissy is considered that she freaked out a little bit. Now, I don't know shit from Shinola, but I imagine that's probably what happened because, man, yeah. she is not the person you want to go up on stage and imitate and fuck up. No. You know, no. I, and, I, and I felt for her, to be honest with you, and I don't think John probably oh, yeah. explained to her exactly how um, how uh, as much of an embedded a part of the Australian music scene Chrissy actually is to this day. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, but, uh, mate, just with going back to Night Flight Orchestra, you mentioned mm. David writing about 70% of the cuts there. Um, mm. How does it work, though, when you're writing songs? Does David send through songs via, you know, Dropbox or Google Drive or whatever to the rest of the band members, or do you do the same thing and just get them to learn stuff? Or how does the songwriting work and the learning Well, we just, you know, bounce tracks back and forth. Uh, David is extremely productive and... and he writes a lot of songs. I mean, he probably writes a, a song a week. I would say. And Jesus, yeah. So there's a lot. I mean, we're we're building up quite a vault of songs. Uh, I'll say. And, oh God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, we we send tracks. You know, sit at home. We write separately usually, and then we send the tracks. But then we, whenever we feel we have something really interesting, we we book. You know, like a long weekend in a studio or, you know, something like that, and then record a couple of tracks. So we sort of spread it out instead of like booking. Hmm. So, you know, like six weeks in a studio. Okay, let's record the new album. I don't know. It just, I've done that too much and, and, and it, it tends to get sort of, I don't know, sometimes kill the creativity, you know, being, you know, you're so excited the first week and the second week and then it just like, uh, you know, you're in the same place. I think we've learned from that and, and decided to sort of spread it out instead and have sessions. You know, I just love that. You know, we meet yeah. for a weekend. We cook, we drink, and record a couple of tracks. You know, it's it's awesome, and, and the vibe is great. So yeah, killer. Yeah. Um, that's usually. But but I mean, the demos that we create are are very much sort of like skeletons, you know. And then when we take it to the studio, that's really where it happens, you know. And they sometimes turn out to be something completely different than than the demo in, in the end. Mm. So it's it, it is a you know group effort in in the end very much. Mm. 
Look, I hope you don't mind me asking the next question, uh, but we both knew Ralph Sansola. You far better than I did. And the last time mm. we actually had a chat, unbelievably, and I can't help but think there's something out there beyond the ether that draws people together, but I think it was the night before he was taken off life support, if you can believe it, that our last conversation yeah. took place and we both reminisced on Ralph and we weren't sure what was going to happen then, but it was very clear the next day uh, what yeah. happened. And, and I've since have a ch had a chat to Bill Hudson, uh, his, his other good mate, yeah. about him as well, but... Mate, uh, as I say, if you, you feel uncomfortable talking about it, tell me to stop and we'll talk about something else. But now that it's been a year and a half or so, um, can you share some more of your memories about Ralph? I mean, he's just so greatly missed, you know. I, I still cannot believe he's gone. It's like, I mean, because his mom is always posting pictures of him. It's like, oh, it's Ralph. It's like, and you just, it just hits you again, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah. He, he's gone and he was just so brilliant. You know, and 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 I keep you know laughing when I think about him sometimes because mm. what would Ralph say? You know, and I think a lot of people can relate. that knew him. It's like because Ralph always had his own way, you know, of putting things, and and extremely uh, intelligent and funny, you know, and mm. uh, and like I've said before, he was like the only reason to to actually be on Facebook. It was because of Ralph. Everything else that <laughs> just great. doesn't matter, you know. So um, I I miss him so much. I mean, not you know, he was living at my place for two weeks, uh, very yeah. close to where I'm at right now. I'm actually looking out the window and I see the the ocean, and I my house was right down there, and he was there for two weeks, oh, yeah. living with me. And he was, you know, he was he was in a pretty rough shape, you know, but mm -hmm. we had so much fun. We could talk about just just about it, anything. So it's, um, yeah, just brilliant. Yeah, one of, one of the things he shared with me about the friendship that he had with you is is, is he was fairly right wing and you're fairly left wing, fairly progressive. And yes, he, he talked about the conversations that you guys had where you disagree, but yeah. you're always mates. And I know he really appreciated that. And it was something yeah. that he, I know, I don't think he couldn't understand why people in the rest of the world couldn't be similar. You know, have different political yeah. opinions, but you still couldn't be people could still couldn't be mates. But you guys managed to do that, and I think from my perspective, and I'm fairly right wing myself, but a lot of my mates are fairly yeah. left wing, and we managed to do something similar. But when I look on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever else, the world's so divided at the moment. I think your friendship is a really good example of how the world can work. Absolutely, yeah. I thought that was beautiful. It's like, wow, we we can talk about these things, and hmm. you know. We're not punching each other out, you know. It's something exactly, we, yeah. we understand each other, we respect each other, and even get, you know, inspired from each other. I mean, I'm I'm listening to his points, and and sometimes I felt maybe he's right, you know, and maybe he felt the same way, you know. But it's that's that's what we need to do. Otherwise, everything's gonna be, get so you know polarized. You know, it's just not gonna work. That's the only way to go. So thanks for bringing that up. No, it's all right, brother. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad yeah. you feel comfortable talking about it. I get, you know, I had two conversations with him, and we communicated over email and Facebook. And uh, it's and and when I talked to Bill, Bill did a really lovely thing. I've got to say, he, uh, I did a, um, I don't know what you call it. It certainly wasn't an obituary, but it was a reflection on Ralph Santola. And Bill told mm. me that he sent it through to through to Ralph's mother, and that meant a, meant a lot to me, man. And and I think what I notice about Ralph is there's a spirit of community around him. You know, people like you yeah. and I, who who have only ever spoken to each other over the phone, and and Bill. You know, we all sort of we all sort of uh, are able to find common points that we just loved about the bloke, and we just have the. It, it's just a really lovely memory for us all to have in the spirit of Ralph. I think you know. Yeah, absolutely. 
we yeah. we need to carry on that Ralph legacy for sure. <laughs> Mate, I don't think I can top yeah. that question, so I'll leave it there. I'll let you get on to the next thing and have a beer or a cup of tea or whatever you're doing. But look, thanks for making the music okay. that you've made. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. look, no doubt, with the way you're bloody going, mate, no doubt we'll be having a conversation the next six to 12 months anyway. So <laughs> I look forward I hope to so it. Too, and hope, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Very cool. And I hope. I hope we get to tour Australia with, with, with the Night Strider Orchestra as well. Do sort of like a hotel tour, like a classic. Uh, yeah, I want that, man. I've got to say, man, yeah, I missed I missed you guys when you came through last, the soil work. Just, you know, I've got two young kids, right. so it's very hard for me to get out, man. But if you guys tour yeah, with NFO, that. man, I'm not, I'm not going to miss it, I can assure you. No. Yeah, let, let's hope it's going to happen. I'll, I'll, I'll really try to push for it, and hopefully people will pick up the album and request songs and radio and you know, spread the word, I guess. So, yeah. yeah agreed. All right, I'll do my bit, mate. But uh, look, congratulations oh. on everything as always, mate. And no doubt we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for calling. No worries, brother. Thank you very much. All right. Okay. Okay, thank you. Take okay. care. You too, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. That means I'm Andrew Mackay-Smith and the interview subject that you've just tuned in to hear from is Bjorn Speedstreet from the Outfits, Soilwork, and the reason for this chat, the Night Flight Orchestra. Thanks for listening.